Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome into this special post-game edition of the Canucks Speakeasy podcast, episode 44, recording just after game two of the Canucks and the Wild and Doug. We're actually recording right after the game, which means that it must be a win and we're not all angry. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, recording win, angry. Uh, I don't think we've done it, but uh, I know it probably isn't a good thing. Learn that from work. You don't send emails when you're seeing red, and uh, it's probably not best for us to put on tape here any sort of misgivings after the last game right away. Let it let us cool down a bit. But tonight, different game, different effort, and... Let's just jump right into it, Doug. It started earlier in the day as rumblings started to come out that both Vertanen and Erickson were coming into the lineup. Yeah, I think when you started hearing that both Vertanen and Erickson were getting into the lineup, uh, there was a lot of talk uh, that a Canuck probably was hurt then, um, and that seems to be true. It sounds like uh, Tyler Toffoli is hurt, and someone's, there was a conflicting reports, uh, but... There was talk that people said they saw Toffoli walking around in a walking boot. So he might be done for the rest of the play-in series against the Wild. Uh, I guess the speculation is, and again, it's pure speculation, uh, that he might be able to return for game, or sorry, for if the Canucks make it to the next round or to an actual playoff series, uh, there's a chance he could make it there. Uh, I think we knew Vertanen was probably going to get in this game. I don't know how I feel about Gaudet not playing tonight. I know Gaudet struggled uh, last game um, fairly mightily as well. But, you know, you keep hearing about getting these young guys the experience. And even though Gaudet did struggle in game one, I mean, he should be out there getting experience, getting better. I still think, though, that just with the complexion of the team, I think it made more sense. I, I know Gaudet had a rough game, but you're putting in Vertanen and you're keeping Gaudet in there. I think it would have made it pretty tough. Um, but regardless, we saw them tonight. They got the win. Uh, Erickson, I thought, also had a decent game, uh, except for his twig snap in there on a two-on-one, which is about the most Louis Erickson, Louis Erickson thing you could possibly have happen. Yeah, I thought Erickson was fine. Like, he was again he's a solid penalty killer he was good on the penalty kill the Canucks penalty kill as a whole uh were much better tonight um Vertanen had some good plays I know everyone was freaking out positively that you know Vertanen made that great back check play there uh I didn't think Vertanen was that noticeable I'm I know he had very limited minutes uh Green did start him on the fourth line which again I don't think was a good idea like I think you know, you want Vertanen out there, giving giving some energy. Uh, put him on that third line, right? You want that third line to score some goals. Uh, but again, that being said, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. Uh, you know, having Vertanen and Mod on the same line, you know, that gives the fourth line a lot more speed, which I think it needs as well. But I still would have liked to see Vertanen on the third line. I would have liked to see Vertanen on the second line, just hit flip him and Erickson around. However, that fourth line, I thought uh, Beagle and Mott both had pretty solid games, especially Tyler Mott. I mean, I'm always a big Tyler Mott fan, but dude was a spark plug tonight. He was everywhere. Great penalty killing, great hustle. I was really impressed with him. And just with uh, Jake, the only other time I really noticed him in the first period, he had that high shot that uh, didn't go in there, but he just came in and just whacked it. But those are the two kind of standout Jake 
moments. Uh, he had another little dipsy doodle in the third where I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, overall, though, I, I'm pretty sure we'll see Vertanen in the lineup, and we'll certainly see Mott in the lineup. It's just a question now with a couple other guys going down. Zach McEwen coming in is Adam Godet coming back in. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the status of Ferland and Roussel is. I think Roussel will probably be back, but uh, as I think every Canucks fan has a right to doubt that we'll see Michael Ferland next game. Uh, yeah, uh, I gotta. I want to follow up with the Michael Ferland thing because I actually didn't see the injury, but I, you sent me a message during the game that he's out. Uh, but just giving some credit back to Tyler Mott. I, I thought Tyler Mott was great tonight. Like again, he had a couple of decent scoring chances uh he was great on the penalty kill um i mean it's tyler mott right like he's not the guy that you're gonna you know that's gonna help win this series for you but he definitely is a guy that didn't hurt you and uh, yeah i thought he was definitely one of the most noticeable canucks tonight for all the right reasons uh yeah i mean the Russell thing i'm a little worried because he does have a concussion history as well so you know i am a little worried about that uh Hopefully he's okay. Uh, but what happened with Furland? I totally missed that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just know he wasn't on the bench. Um, that's all anyone seems to really know out there. So we're going to have to wait and hear what actually happened with Furland. There's been some reports that it was a shot block. But again, we'll have to wait and find out about that one. Uh, the lotto line, though, gets back together. And they had a game. That was great to see. Yeah, uh, I mean, that goal that uh, JT Miller scored was just, you know, there's not a goalie in the league that would have stopped that shot. I thought it was a great shot. Petey was unbelievable tonight. Like, he was all over the ice. He didn't get a goal, but he, you know, he still ended up with an assist. Uh, I thought Petey had a bit of snarl to his game, which is a side of Petey that I think a lot of us you know, have seen at times, but you know, he does have a bit of an edge to him. And that's something I really, really like about PD. Uh, Nils Hoglander seems to have a similar edge as well. I mean, we'll see if he is like that once he starts playing the NHL, but PD had a great game tonight. Besser really needed that goal. I thought, uh, he was already skating all over the place and he looked really good. Um, but just that confidence of getting a goal like that, it just, for whatever reason, it just seems to kind of, make you so much more confident with your shot you're getting your shot on net and that was been a bit of an issue for Besser uh, the last few games here uh is you know he's getting his shot off but he's not hitting the net but I hope after that uh goal tonight he'll he'll have his confidence back to you know kind of get that shot you know more clean and crisp on net a couple of things with uh, Pedersen's game tonight on the Miller goal uh Pedersen runs to the net and basically acts as a decoy and a bit of a distraction. You could tell Stalock was keeping an eye on him looking past and that gave JT a little more ability to get that puck in. So I thought that was another great play by PD. Twice in the third, big hits and twice in the third, he drew penalties as well. Um, Guy didn't look out of place. It was a fantastic game, I thought, for PD. Uh, Brock as well. Brock continues to skate really well in the three games since the return. He looks different, and it was great to see him get that goal. Uh, I, I think we're going to see the lotto line together for the rest of this series, though. I think that was great. I, again, though, I'm curious to see what happens with the second unit, but that first unit and uh, the first unit power play starting to come together really well as well. Yeah, I mean... The, the first unit power play definitely was struggling in that first period. Um, and, you know, for the majority of the game, but as the game wore on, they started to get more comfortable. 
I mean, the goddamn back pass through the neutral zone. I still don't understand why they're doing that. Noel Brown, like, you are literally, ugh. You give me anxiety getting the players to do that all the time. Uh, I don't understand it, but the power play progressively did get better and did look more dangerous as the game went on, which was nice to see because that first period, the power play looked all out of sorts. And I thought, you know, there was a very good chance that, you know, the Canucks got, I think, three or I think it was three calls in a row. And I was like worried that, okay, the penalties are probably going to start going Minnesota's way now. And, uh, Luckily, they got better and they were able to bury, a, I believe they got at least one power play goal tonight. Maybe they ended up with two. I'm not sure. It was one. It was one, one power one. play okay. goal. The Canucks were one for seven on the power play tonight, and it did get better. They were 0 for three in the first. They gave up a shorty as well. They just did not look great in in the first period. Came back in the second and steadily improved by the third, though they, they were looking like a well-oiled machine. Uh, second unit power play, though, Looks pretty lost out there. Uh, there was a point in the third where Sutter, Erickson, Myers, and Vertanen were all on the ice for PP2. So uh, I think there's got to be a little bit more there. Another thing with JT Miller, going back to him uh, as well, uh, took a, a pretty nasty shot block in there. Uh, the Canucks in general were blocking shots all over the place. Uh, I saw Tyler Mott. Again, he did it. Jay Beagle did it. A couple of forwards that come to mind. Um, but again, that, it was pretty solid throughout from on the shot block department. But P- PP2, a little bit of work needed there, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make an argument that the second unit power play really misses a guy like Adam Gaudet. Like, Gaudet at least does have a bit of offensive flair and capability. Um, he still hasn't hit his full offensive potential in the NHL by any means, but he's at least a threat out there, way more of a threat than a guy like uh, Brandon Sutter is. And, you know, I don't really like, like, look, Sutter is a serviceable guy and a serviceable player, but I don't like Sutter getting PK minutes and power play minutes. Like, to me, that just seems, it doesn't seem like a smart move. Like, I would rather have Jake Vertanen out there. I would rather have, like I said, if, Godet didn't play tonight, but I think that's the other thing that Godet does give you is he gives you that second unit more of more offense. And you know, tonight uh, the second unit looked terrible. Brandon Sutter was he was doing more harm than good for the Canucks power play unit. Well, again, with the Canucks playing four forwards on a power play, which they've done most of the year, and all of a sudden you're down two forwards, that means eight of your eleven forwards are now going to essentially be on the power play. So I think just by necessity, they're like, well, Beagle's not going to go in. Mott's not going to go in. Kind of forces a guy like Sutter into there as well. So I think that's uh, that was a part of it as well. But still, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with game three with regards to that, with depending on who is out and who is in. Uh, again, we've played six periods of hockey, in, of meaningful hockey, and all of a sudden the Canucks have four forwards who could potentially be out and if you're including josh leva yeah uh it's definitely concerning that the canucks have already had this many injuries in two games essentially right to fully out tonight sounds like he's probably gonna miss the rest of the series furland i mean you gotta assume furland's probably done for the series Russell, again i'm still worried with his past concussion history that Russell could be gone for a while as well. I mean, maybe this is a chance for a guy like Zach McEwen to get in um, and bring some more speed to the bottom six. Uh, obviously, Gaudette theoretically will probably 
be in the lineup next game, depending on uh, how hurt some of these players are. Uh, overall, though, uh, I liked what I saw tonight. I thought the Canucks, uh, the forwards played really well. I thought Bo Horvat, that first shift where Horvat came ripping into the offensive zone and he ripped that shot and it literally just missed the top corner. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, Tanner Pearson uh, potted home a goal. I thought that line looked really good tonight as well. Uh, even with Louis Erickson, and people forget, before the Canucks picked Tyler Toffoli up, Erickson was actually on that second line with Horvat and Pearson for a lot of the season, and they had success together. As crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, that trio has had success together, and they looked good tonight. I mean, Louis wasn't really a threat offensively, but... You know, he for whatever reason, uh, he seems to bring out the best in Pearson and uh, Horvat. I don't know if he brings out the best in them. I think he's more of a, a complimentary piece out there than than really bringing out the best. Um, yeah, he played a lot out there, but I don't think he's long term the right fit. But he's again, it's it's his price tag that that we all get a bit discouraged by out there as well. Um, a couple of things that Canucks also did quite well. It's worth mentioning six for six on the PK tonight which is great and 63 percent in the face-off circle including uh Roussel who had that face-off win that drew a penalty on Miku Koivu in back in the first period yeah the, the Canucks definitely dominated the face-off circle and uh, the PK looked really good tonight I think overall the Canucks played a very sound defensive game obviously there were a couple of gaps Tyler Myers again at times looked completely lost out there, but I thought the defense as a whole uh, played well. I thought Fattenberg had a solid game. Troy Stetcher, I thought, had a really low-key good game tonight. He was clearing uh, the front of the net out very well and regaining position and boxing uh, guys out really well. He had a couple of battles in behind the net for the puck, and he won those battles and was able to get the puck up up the boards to get it out of the defensive zone. Uh, overall, I was really impressed with the Canucks' defensive play tonight. Stetcher was noticeable tonight. And I know I said last game that Stetcher wasn't noticeable, but that's not a bad thing. It was quite often for a number four or five defenseman, if they're not noticeable, that's a good thing. But he was noticeable tonight. I thought Fantenberg uh, was much improved. Myers was bothering me tonight. And, you know, I know Myers is, man, you know, I, I hate to shit on the guy and he gets scapegoated a lot in this city. But uh, it, there wasn't, in my opinion, a lot to like about Myers' game. He uh, took penalties back-to-back in the third period. He wasn't crisp with his passes. And a lot of times he got flat-footed uh, out there, I thought. And again, he's a big guy, so he, it maybe takes him a little while to get going. But I just overall wasn't impressed with Myers. And I know it won't happen, but where the Canucks could have used a little more help again tonight is the outlet pass. And you know who has a fantastic outlet pass. Well, you levy. You tweeted yeah, it out, Pete. And I, I, I know. I, I, I look. I would love to see it, and I think a lot of Canucks Nation or would love to see it. I don't think Green has the moxie to no. do it, but I would love it. Like I agree with you, man. I, here's the other thing I was thinking after I read that tweet from you. I was thinking to myself, you know what? Like, what if the Canucks went Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks style, style or Minnesota Wild style, and move Tyler Myers up to the wing? I mean, the Canucks did it before with uh, Biega, right? I mean, maybe Tyler Myers would be a decent winger. The guy can skate. He's got a good shot. Uh, you know, you put Yolevi on the back end. Maybe Myers moves up to the wing, given the injuries that might be happening next game. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, like, there, there is a possibility there, and we've seen it happen to six, with success for other NHL defensemen. 
I like your thinking outside the box there, Doug, but I got to put the percentage chance of that happening uh, in the low single digits, I got to say. But I like, I admire your thinking outside the box there. Hey, hey, that's what I'm here for, right? <laughs> um, passing, though, just going back to that, it wasn't just Myers, in my opinion. I, I thought the team really struggled again for the first two periods with their passes. And there, maybe a bit of it is the ice as well, which is why I'm not actually that concerned with the Canucks playing the early game on Thursday. Uh, it also makes it easier for us to record afterwards. But I, I wonder if that played a bit because there's a lot of times where the, the puck just seemed to bounce or roll and a couple of the goals in the game as well, the puck was on its side. Uh, regardless, it was, again, some bad outlet passes, some bad transitional passes. Quinn Hughes had a bit of butter on his stick again early in the game, but certainly redeemed himself with what I thought was his goal. But uh, as we saw in the replay, it was Bo Horvat's. Yeah, Hughes kind of had a similar game as he did game one where I thought he he struggled a little bit, like you said, with some of those outlet passes and uh, carrying the puck out of his own zone a little bit. I think he might have over been thinking it a little too much. Uh, but as the game progressed, Hughes got better and better and better. He made that one beautiful little move and he passed it, I believe it was to Petey. And I was I literally jumped out of my couch hoping that Petey roofed that one. It was such a beautiful little uh, play there by Hughes. Uh, again, he started off a little bit slow, and I think he struggled a little bit. But as the game went on, he he was, again, probably the Canucks' top two defensemen of the night. I mean, I actually thought Edler had probably the strongest game uh, for a Canucks defenseman tonight on both ends of the ice, uh, defensively and offensively. I thought Edler was very noticeable. Uh, Tanev, again, another solid night. I mean, you know what you get out of Tanev, so uh, no real surprises there. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Hughes looked good. And again, he's one of those guys that once he gets going and his legs get warmed up, he just, he does some incredible things on the ice. Edler was very physical tonight and he was physical against some of the top line players for the wild too. getting into it with Parise and Stahl and Fiala and Fiala until he got those two rockets late in the game was pretty off his mark. And that's something the Canucks are going to really have to watch. Kevin Fiala is really becoming a, a bit of a storyline, not just in this series, but in the NHL. Uh, Edler physical and the team in general, quite physical, uh, playing right through the whistle. A lot of times, I mean, a couple of times ending the period as uh, the second period, it ended pretty physically. The third period ended with a little bit of the old pushing and shoving, which uh, I still love saying pushing and shoving. It's the most nondescript descriptive words in hockey. You know exactly what I mean, <laughs> but pushing and shoving, it just, uh, it, it just always cracks me up. But there was a lot of that playing through the whistle. Beagle was another guy who stood out for me with playing physical and, and getting in the face, but it was right up and down the, the lineup. I mean, Petey as well in the third period on Hartman there, uh, you know, I don't obviously didn't mean to hurt him and I'm still not exactly sure what happened with Hartman, but the team in general, very physical and pushing back. And that is something that I really like to see. And for all the crap that we give Jim Benning about a lot of these players and how we shouldn't have spent all the money on all these players. And I'm not defending it, but I know the idea was to protect and insulate these players for this type of situation. And I don't think this is the Canucks here. Hey, it would be great if it was. I mean, anything can happen. It's 2020. But it, they learn from these guys, right? Jay Beagle has a ring. Tanner Pearson has a ring. Tyler Toffoli has a ring. There's, these guys have experience. And 
that is something that is really important to teach some of these young guys. You're seeing it over in Carolina. I don't know if you've seen much of this Carolina and New York series that was. I thought it was funny that the Rangers are out before the Canucks even played game two or scored a goal. But that's a whole other thing with the, the scheduling. But Carolina's had a couple of years, and these guys, they're young guys look really good there right now. And I, and I think there's a bit of that with what we have in Vancouver too, is putting a lot of these guys around. Remember, over the next two years, pretty much all these contracts are off the books. So you have this window there where, okay, so we have a lot of heavy veteran contracts. Do we need Beagle and Sutter? I mean, probably not, right? Should Myers have been signed to that deal? You know, it's, it's, it's debatable and certainly look debatable tonight. But you are giving these guys a lot of veteran presence around there. And the team, you, you could see as the game went on, Pedersen wasn't afraid out there. He knew that guys would have his back. He knew that JT Miller would have his back out there, that Edler would come in from the point if needed. And I think that's really important. And for me, that's one of the most encouraging things is that Canucks are playing physical. They got a bit of their game back tonight, a bit of the swagger. They're, they're starting to find it. They're starting to find the open ice. And I think that's something that's really important as well for this team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially when a guy like Pedersen is arguably one of the most physical guys you have on the ice tonight. Like, he was mixing it up left and right. And when you see a guy like Pedersen doing that, like, it, I, I think it's got to inspire everybody else on the team, even the guys that aren't normally that kind of player that get into those scrums or get in, you know, physically involved in that kind of way. When you see someone like Petey doing it, I mean, obviously you're going to want to do it as well and stick up for your teammates. And it is nice to see. It's a criticism the Canucks have had for years. The Matheson hit on Pedersen, the non-response. There was the, I forget who it was that did the hit from behind on Besser. It was at LA King a few years ago. I believe it was Besser's rookie year. And there was no response then. Obviously, Besser got the best revenge possible and scored on the power play. Um, but uh, yeah, it is nice to see. Uh, you know, some of those veteran guys I agree with. Like, yeah, like, do you need Sutter and Beagle? I say no. You don't need them both. But they do somewhat insulate some of the young guys, like you say. Uh, they do bring some of that veteran leadership and, you know, that wherewithal. Uh, I still am of the mindset that it is a young man's game and, you know, guys like Goddett need to be there on the ice getting this experience, in my opinion. And there's a very good chance we'll see Goddett next game as well, I think. Another thing that uh, jumped out at me, uh, the shots. Canucks again put up 28 shots, exact same as the last game. Only the difference this time is that instead of only 11 being from the forward core, 20 was from the forward core. So it showed that the Canucks did work on the style of play and what they were doing in the offensive zone. There was a lot of working it back to the point in game one. And this time there was a lot more aggressiveness with driving the lane, driving the net, and not using the point as a low percentage shot but using the point is generally a decoy to move it back out out to the hash marks or out to the the high slot or back down low and work that cycle a bit more and it was nice to see that come back into the game and it, and it reflects as well in where the shot distribution was and where the heat map was to- uh yeah the canucks forwards were they came to play tonight they were much they looked much more prepared to play i thought uh again you know some of the passing they did struggle from time to time but they were getting higher chant like more dangerous shots on net like the last game everything was from the outside the they were getting over the blue line and the defenseman was just shooting it on net hoping for a rebound no rebounds were there or the rebounds were getting kicked to the boards by Staylock and a wild defenseman would pick it up and clear it out of the uh 
wild zone. But overall, yeah, I thought the Canucks played very well. Uh, what did you think of uh, Jacob Markstrom? I know he got those two late goals, which kind of concerned me a little bit. And I believe the first goals, you know, some people thought he should have had. But what did you think of Markey's game overall? I was just going to ask you the same thing. I thought Markey was solid. I mean, I, I don't question him too much on the first goal. That, that what is what it was. Um, Markey, right after the Pearson goal, really kept the team in it. He was really solid there. Minnesota pushed back hard after the Pearson goal. And I thought Markey was excellent in, in keeping there. And Edler as well. There was one point where Edler was right in the crease there as well and, and pretty much saved a goal. But Markey stood out in the first period and throughout the game, one thing I'd really noticed about Markey and uh, again, Fiala seems to be the only one who's figured out how to get around this, but most of the shots tonight on Markey were going into the logo, like right in the bread basket. And that's a good sign when your goalie is doing that. It means he can see the lanes. The pucks are, are going straight through to him and he's confident. He's not making it look pretty. He's making it look easy and is, is going right into the bread basket. So I like that. Uh, a little less adventurous, but he still did come out. Looked like he was trying to score a goal there late in the game as well, which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, uh, again, he was that he shouldn't have been doing that. He was out of position. That wasn't really the right time to do it. Uh, but besides the Kevin Fiala, uh, I thought Marky was, was solid. A couple of nice looking saves, but overall... I thought he made it look easy. And especially when you look at the shot count, I mean, there were 35 shots on him. So he still stopped 32 with 35. That's a, a pretty decent save percentage for the for the game as well. What about you? What, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought Marquis had a strong game overall. Obviously, you never want to see you know, a team give up goals late like that because now you're worried that that gives Minnesota a bit of momentum heading into game three. Um, but he made a couple of really nice saves. It was a really nice glove save he made. I forget who it was on. I think it might have been on Susie. Uh, but he made a really nice glove save. Uh, I thought overall he played well. Again, I, I don't know what it is with Marky these two games, but like he seems... We mentioned it in our last kind of game recap. These adventures behind the net he's gone on. There was a, a, a play tonight where he went for a little stroll behind the net and there was a risk of him giving it up to a wild player. Thankfully, he didn't. Um, I don't know where this is coming from with Markstrom, but hey, you know, I think he's just trying to be aggressive and make a play. And thankfully, it hasn't cost him yet. But I am still a little bit worried uh, that he uh, seems to be doing this with reckless abandon. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, Markey was much better than Staylock in game one. Uh, I don't think Staylock outplayed Markey as bad as the scoreboard showed. I think the Canucks offense just was non-existent. Today, with the Canucks offense coming to play, and being prepared to play, uh, you got to see Markey uh, play another solid game. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 overall, I was impressed with Markey. Yeah, 914 save percentage goes in the books for Markey. Uh, three Canucks with multiple points tonight as, as well. Uh, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, and Alex Edler were the guys with the, the multiple points on the spreadsheet. So nice to see that as well. Um, overall, yeah, pretty happy with this. And you know what's funny is that this this is the point of the series where in a normal year we'd be like all right we're going back to minnesota but nothing really changes except the uniforms now and and of course the the little things with like face-offs and and uh, starting lineups and whatnot but it's this is kind of interesting is that normally you mentioned momentum swing and i think there'd be more of that with those late fiala goals going back to minnesota but they're just going back to the hotel room and coming back thursday in the around lunchtime yeah, I mean, that that is a good point, right? It's not like you're going home to your raucous crowd that are going to, you know, get you amped up. Um, 
again, it just it, it is a bit of a buzzkill. I think uh, that the Canucks gave up those two late goals, and even at the very end there, there was that shot that that shot. I don't think it would have counted if it went in, but it it definitely surprised Marky. I don't think he was ready for it. I I, I don't know who shot it. Maybe I think it might have been Suter or Spurgeon. Um, yeah, Parise was offside there, so uh, it, I I I feel like Marky saw that and was maybe being a little light on it. But yeah, it, it looked it looked a little bit. Ugh. You yeah. know, you just get, as a Canucks fan, right? Yeah, you just can't help but have flashbacks to Dan Cloutier in in Detroit <laughs> with that one. Um, and who I still maintain to this day needs to wear glasses. That's why that puck went in the net. You look at Cloutier in an interview; the guy's always squinting. <laughs> Uh, we'll use that as an excuse, man. Maybe you needed uh, bigger pads. Um, any <laughs> final thoughts? What do you think is going to happen for Game 3? What do you think we're going to see lineup-wise? Any changes? And uh, what do you think the Canucks need to do Game 3? I mean, I think we'll definitely see some uh, lineup changes given the injuries uh, after this game. I mean, again, when you told me Furlan was out, I, I assumed I had missed a play or something like that. Obviously, uh, my fiancé had got home and we were kind of getting dinner sorted and whatnot. So I didn't have a chance to like focus on the entirety of the second period. And I believe it was the second period when you messaged me that. So yeah, I mean, that's really concerning if it was a play that no one really noticed. I mean, I know you mentioned earlier in the episode that, you know, it, some people are speculating maybe it was a block shot. So hopefully that's all it was. But even then, like if it's a block shot and he doesn't come back after that, you got to assume that like maybe there's something broken. So that's not a good look. Uh, obviously, Russell, that to me is a big concern. Um, hopefully, he'll be okay. And I again, the reports I, I saw on Twitter, and take it for what you will, it sounds like Toffoli is probably done for this play-in series. So I assume that we are going to see some changes. Probably a guy like Gaudet gets back in the lineup. And if there's another guy coming out, you know, maybe uh, McEwen gets in, which I think would be great as well. Because you got to assume if McEwen's getting back in, I mean, maybe you put Maud up to the third line, but I would probably keep him on that fourth line because I think he gives energy to that fourth line. So maybe either Vertanen moves up to the third or maybe uh, McEwen moves up to the third. I think, personally, I'm going to guess that Roussel does play, but Furland doesn't next game and McEwen draws in. Not sure about Godet yet. I think Godet might sit another game um, and just... Because uh, they, they need a bit more veteran leadership, I think, in the lineup. Uh, Sutter was okay tonight, but I think they can use him and have a bit more confidence in him. Uh, I'm I'm predicting right now that Furlan goes out, McEwen goes in on the fourth line, and Vertanen moves up to the third. I think the blue line stays the same as much as I'd like Ole Levy to come in. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to happen just yet because I think the guy who had the worst game on the blue line is Tyler Myers, and I, I don't think they're going to sit him. So... That's my predictions, and I also think that continued play by the Canucks uh, with the way they're playing through the whistles, I think that's that's really the key, uh, and continuing to play aggressive and generate some open ice because they had a lot of success doing that, and the lotto line being the lotto line because they were the difference tonight. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, I think with Toffoli being out, there was no debate whether or not the lotto line was going to be reunited tonight and they looked really good uh i thought they uh, all three of them looked good i mean especially again pd and besser had solid game ones uh jt miller was a guy i definitely wanted to see a bounce back game from and he was uh, really good tonight arguably arguably you can make a case for him as being the best canuck on the ice i mean i'd still probably give it to pd but uh you know miller was right there uh and Bo horvat i thought had a really strong game tonight as well and he was a guy that Although I don't think he had a terrible game one, uh, he needed to be better tonight, and he absolutely was. 
PD for me, best player, Miller right behind him. And then uh, I would almost give it to Tyler Mott uh, as uh, for also having an exceptional game. Well, Doug, game three, Thursday morning, I guess, technically for us. Uh, it's going to be interesting as well. But, I mean, everything's interesting in 2020. I'm looking forward to getting into that one. Uh, you can follow the podcast. It's the Canuck Speakeasy at Canuck Speak on Twitter. You can follow myself at Pete underscore Gas. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Venn. Uh, and as always, uh, this funky groove that just came up uh, will be added to the Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist on Spotify. Uh, give that a listen and a follow as well. And just one last thing. Uh, I just wanted to, to mention and give uh, special thoughts to everyone out in Beirut today. It's a city that, Doug, you know, I love. And we actually recorded an episode while I was in Beirut. And just everything happening there, um, I know exactly that that whole area. It, it just breaks my heart. And, uh, uh, I mean, that, that country's had it so rough and has been in such a tough jam there. And just to have this on top, it's like 2020 just keeps on kicking us in the nuts. So... You know, Canucks speak easy. We're probably the only Canucks podcast to ever record an episode in Beirut. And I uh, just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers over that way as well. Couldn't have said it better myself, Pete. Uh, and thanks again to everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, we've, we've been getting some good feedback and good responses from everyone out there. So thank you very much. Uh, any last thoughts, Doug? Thanks for listening. Hasta luego.